from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The Drive with Tim Donnelly, 99.9 The Fan on a Friday. Friday, 4 o'clock. Almost Friday at 5 o'clock. We'll get there. Uh, the post-Frank Reich era begins this weekend. Which leads to the question, what does a perfect start to the post-Frank Reich era in Carolina look like? You fired him for a reason, right? You fired him because something was happening you didn't like. That's what David Tepper did. Some Something was, was, was wrong. What do you want to see this weekend? I'm going to keep it generic. I'm going to keep it simple. And I'm going to keep it, uh, as the kids say, 100. Keep, keep it real with me. Keep it real. Something different. Keep it as simple and as vague as we can. It better look different. It better not be the same old, same old. Try new things. You didn't fire Frank Reich to do the same things that Frank Reich was doing with a different person wearing the big headset on the sideline. Right? If, if you wanted the same old, same old, you would have kept the same guy. If you make a big move, you expect big changes. Now, yes, does it go without saying that part of what you want is a win? Yes, right? Like, we could be that specific. What's the best start to, to a, a post-Frank Reich? 400 yards passing and four touchdowns for Bryce Young and a blowout win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Woo! And empowered Bryce Young. I talked about that earlier, right? Somebody, uh, Bryce Young taking control. Great. Energy. I think I think the the post or the the one game bump is in play here. Right. I, I you know it's it's always tough. I don't pretend to be a uh, body language expert. Although part of, right, I was you know communications major in college. There you go. That's that's that they have very difficult. Uh, you know, shout out Delaware. Shout out Delaware. FBS Delaware. Um. By the way, just got a big weekend for announcements for my alma mater. I'm sure most of you care about this a ton. Uh, Delaware is joining the Conference USA football, so now FBS football from FCS. And they announced earlier today getting a varsity women's hockey team. Wow, okay. One of one of 45 in the country to play varsity women's hockey. So, hey, no big deal. Big week for the Blue Hens. But I – that's where I got my uh, mass communications communications degree, mass communication focus. Uh, I did take a class that was all on nonverbal communication. Big lecture, all about like you know how how people blink more when they're lying and all that kind of stuff. And and it was more one of the more interesting classes I took. Um, but I don't pretend to be an expert in it. However, I can say that that it didn't seem like many of the players were like severely missing Frank Reich in the interviews that they gave this week uh, about the coaching change kind of felt like the mood was man it is what it is there was some like yeah I mean we all we all played a part in it he's gone uh, but Bradley Bozeman actually used the words right choice hmm. I don't know if he was like it was in a the part of a bigger conversation but he's like you know I guess you got to give uh David Tepper some some credit for making the right choice it's almost like he meant to say making the tough choice but in but you know, the Freudian slip was right choice. So maybe there's a, a world where 
Frank Reich, for all of the nice guy that he is, and, and trust me, everyone I've talked to that's ever interacted with him said he's a super nice guy. For all of the nice guy that he is, maybe he wasn't a, quite, a, quite a galvanizing force. And with him out, maybe that does, that does shoot up the energy a bit. So energy, winning, empowerment for Bryce Young. There's a lot of little details I want to see in the first game from, from post-Frank Reich. But most importantly, try new things. It better look different. And, and I know at times that can be tough, right? Because you can't put in a whole new playbook in a week, right? You kind of have to deal with the playbook you've been given. But you can find little wrinkles, right? You can find, hey, we've been running this play too much. Let's run a fake off of it. We've been throwing to Adam Thielen too much. Wait. Now, granted, it, <laughs> Adam up Thielen in, might be their top player. Up until this past weekend, Adam Thielen was wildly productive. Um, maybe it is like... Hey, Jonathan Mingo, we drafted him in the second round. He's fallen by the, the the wayside a bit here. Let's feature him. If and and by by the way, I'm not saying everything you try that's new is gonna work, right? It's not like Frank Reich was so bad. Like uh um was it the the fill in the blanking match game from back in the day, right? Frank Reich was so bad. How bad was he? That if you just do everything the opposite of what he did, you're going to be the best team in the NFL. Like, that's not what it is. But you have to try something new, if at the very least, just to, to cross out potential solutions. Right? It's like, all right, let's try throwing it deep more. Maybe that'll keep defenses more honest. Then Bryce Young gets sacked twice. All right, cross that out. Didn't work. All right, well, actually, Miles Sanders. Right, he was in the doghouse. wasn't getting many carries. Let's see if if Miles Sanders has some juice. Let's run more uh, horizontal runs, meaning tosses and sweeps to the outside. He gets knocked down for two loss of yardage plays. All right, cross that out. That's not going to work. Let's try some reversals. Like let's, let's Adam Thielen gets tackled before he can even throw it to the other guy. All right. I mean, it can't. Like by the way, these are all the worst case scenarios on trying new things. Like they're all, if they all don't work, you just keep crossing them out and going to the next idea. But but. You have to take into account that Frank Reich seemed to be setting his ways a little bit, right? And and that's quite honestly how coaches get. If they've had success with something years and years and years, it's very difficult to be like, well, it didn't work for a month, so I'm going to throw all that out. That's that doesn't work, right? It it just it doesn't compute in 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 their brains. So the fact that something was happening that made them move on from Frank Reich faster than anyone in the last like 60 years. 11 games as head coach, and he got fired. That's unbelievably quick. The fact that that happened means something was going on that they very much did not like. So the new staff, the, it's not even the new staff, the same staff in many new roles have to look around and say, well, we better do something big, very different, right? Because doing what that guy did got him fired faster than anyone in, in basically NFL history. That's not what you're looking for. You know, I, I talk about these meetings, these these mythical, metaphorical meetings where you get in a big room and you say no bad ideas. And it's, it's I think, important for a team, right? I, I once had this described to me this way. a great The difference between a great play caller and a genius play caller is, is very simple. A great play caller calls plays that we know at the right time, right? Like, 
you know, it, it's it's funny. Right? I played college football. Um, both of my cousins played college football quarterback, and and it's and I know a ton of other college players. Um, you start talking, everyone's playbook has like it's like seventy percent the same, right? Y'all have the the core of your playbook is the same. You might call it something different, but as soon as you figure out like, oh, we called that a a dagger, you call it a a skinny post, whatever. Like as soon as you you get to that, it's all the same. So a great play caller takes plays that are in everybody's playbook. You don't want to call it the right time. A genius play caller can design a play that we've never seen before, right? And, and the best example recently of that, well, first of all, the Dolphins are doing a whole bunch of it. The Dolphins with all their short screens, or sorry, short motions and everything, they're wildly innovative. Um, but there was a play a couple weeks ago, USC ran it, where um, it was a horizontal to the line of scrimmage flea flicker, right? Traditional flea flicker is a really fun play everybody gets excited about. You hand it off to the running back. They take like two, three steps towards the line of scrimmage, like a dive. Then they turn around and flip it back to the quarterback. This play that USC ran was Caleb Williams handed it off to the running back, running like to the sideline. He slammed on the brakes, turned around, ran right back to the quarterback, and then tossed it to Caleb Williams. Ended up being a long touchdown pass. I had never seen it before. I, I don't even know how you think of that. I don't know how you think that's possible. Turns out Lincoln Riley's a genius play caller. I want to see that type of innovation from the Panthers. If you can't give me that type of innovation, at least give me the plays we know called in a different way, right? At least give me more pass uh, on, on early downs or, or something that is going to make me say this looks different than what Frank Reich was putting out there. But just don't do Miles Sanders and Wildcat. You know what? I know – I know. no bad ideas, Graham. I said no <laughs> bad ideas. If you, can, if you can do it with a different different twist, right? If you can do it with, hey, we pulled both tight ends out, we put two extra tackles in there or something, I don't know. Uh, no bad ideas. No bad ideas. It's, it's the most frustrating part about having a no bad ideas brainstorm is when someone actually comes with a bad idea, but you are you are like – in your brain, you're like, I, I said no bad ideas, so I can't make fun of them right now. So you, if you have the meeting with the coaches and you're like, no bad ideas, what should we do? If somebody's first response is Miles Sanders and the Wildcat, you have to be like, fine, we'll, we'll put it on the board. We'll consider it, even though everybody knows. Well, to be fair, it probably feels like any logical idea that they've given David Tepper in these owners' meetings, he's probably said the same thing, no bad ideas. Hey, why don't we uh, keep some of our top players and just wait till <laughs> the year after to draft a quarterback? That's a terrible idea. Do you think anyone suggested keeping Christian McCaffrey? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Do you think anyone suggested picking C.J. Stroud? We'll never know because everybody's not throwing it. Ten, ten years from now, everybody in the building is going to say, I wanted C.J. Stroud, if it works out that way. If Bryce Young is great, everyone will say, I never wavered. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's something special about Atlantic Coast Conference basketball. 
It's why every time conference realignment comes up, I scream from the top of the mountaintops, if I can make it to the top of a mountaintop. Uh, I scream, ACC basketball is important. Don't forget about it. It's important. Don't forget about it. It's important. So so now I'm going to back that up by saying ACC basketball starts in earnest tomorrow with in-conference play. We have a bunch of good matchups, and it's going to be awesome. Florida State's coming to Chapel Hill to face number 17, North Carolina. Georgia Tech's hosting Duke. North Carolina State's going up to Boston, shipping up to Boston to face Whoa. Boston College. There oh, we go. Man, I should have thought I'd play that. I, di- I didn't even. Gosh. I, I, I didn't even get there until we were on air, so I, I could have let you know. Let's, let's break them down one at a time. Florida State at number 17, UNC. Here's here's what I I think is good for North Carolina. North Carolina's coming off a very interesting game. We talked about it yesterday. Very Jekyll and Hyde against uh, Tennessee. They did beat the number 10 team in the country, though, so they're number 17 for now. They'll be going up in the next rankings as long as they take care of business against Florida State. Um, They had a Jekyll and Hyde first half, second half. They played so well in the first half that it didn't hurt them that they didn't play as well in the second half. You know Florida State under Leonard Hamilton – is going to play hard for two full halves. You know, right? So there, there is this chance, this opportunity for, for North Carolina, for the Tar Heels, to show that they can do that also and will do that in the ACC. Right? It's, it's the immediate facing of your fears. It's, it's, oh, we didn't really play a full game, but it didn't hurt us. Now you have to. Now you got a team that's going to come at you with lank, lanky athletes like Florida State always has. I feel like just to be recruited by Florida State, you need to have uh, a wingspan that's like six inches longer than your height. Yeah. If you're six four, your wingspan is minimum six ten. Like they're just good at getting into the the, the passing lane. They always are. Uh, they're good at blocking shots. They always are. And and they play hard. Tall and lengthy. Tall, lanky. I feel like they're they're like fingers are longer. They're they, they're. I don't know why I'm making them out to be like aliens. If you play for Florida State, it's like you're an avatar. Um, <laughs> We're we're setting it up to make it like it's, they're going to be playing against it's the Space Jam movie, yeah. pretty much. I feel like that's where. But we're only at. the only the real lanky one, right? Only the one that took Sean Bradley's uh, uh, powers, not the one that took took Barkley's. Um, my point is, I think it's good for North Carolina because it's another team that they should be better than. It's another team that they're going to be more talented than, but it tests one of the things that they're like showing might be something they have to work on, right? It tests putting together a full game. Which is good. Like if, if you have a little little um you know point of vulnerability, you want to try to fix it and then you want to get tested. And then you all right, we still need to work on it. Then you need to get tested. And then all right, you need to work on it. And you can keep doing that. It's part of the beauty of playing in the ACC, right? You can't skate by an ACC conference and and like not know if you're you're real or not. Right? We we talk about it in football. You can be a a, a sorry, a group of five team and go undefeated and everyone's still going I don't know if you're legit. That will never happen in in the ACC for basketball. It'll never happen. Whether you're the the top team or the bottom team, all of your flaws will be exposed over an ACC basketball schedule. Especially this early in the season. Especially, yeah. I mean, it's part of the the good. Like, how do you know what to work on if you never never have somebody take advantage of it? And going back to like what you said yesterday, going to back to last season, one reason why that North Carolina team struggled to make or didn't make the NCAA tournament is because it was either one, they couldn't finish the games, mm-hmm. or two, they just put themselves in a position where they could never get into the game. 
And sometimes, so far this year, not that North Carolina has to put themselves in position to get into the game, but we haven't seen them be they able they to finish played, all, Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't played, played a, complete a, game. a complete game. And as I keep saying in the ACC, not playing a complete game is a smooth way to give up a whole bunch of upsets. Especially when you're North Carolina, because when you walk in and you've got the the cool shoes and you've got the baby blue and you got the Carolina blue, I should say the Jumpman logo, the Jumpman logo, you're going to get everybody's best, right? They're they're not going to they they want to get a cool dunk on you. Let's go to the next game: Duke at Georgia Tech. Duke has a long way to go. I'm I'm just I, I went back and watched uh, the condensed game uh, again of their their loss to to um Arkansas on the road. They've got a long way to go. Talented, you knew they're going to be with their last two recruiting classes. Talented, but they have yet to put it together this year. And here's here's where I'm, you know, you got to look in, in inwards first, right? If if you're really wrong on something and this is <laughs> this is very unsports media, very unsports radio for the year 2023, right? Normally if you're wrong on something, what do you do in sports media? You just double down. You dig your heels in. You scream louder. You get more angry. You defend your point. What I try to do, not always because we all get stubborn at some point in time, what I try to do is go, all right, well, what did I miss here? Right? If I'm wrong, how can I learn from this and be better moving forward? I think I may have put too much stock, too much credit, too much value in Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, and Mark Mitchell being quote-unquote veterans when they're sophomores right i i saw and and this was sparked i was watching the game again like i said i was watching the condensed game so i had kind of two screens going two windows on my computer up one was watching and one i was on twitter and i saw somebody uh, a twitter you know quote unquote analyst i don't know who it was uh said this team is too old to be playing like this paraphrasing and i went wait a uh, second wait wait a second they're older than most blue blood teams that live off in one and duns. Yeah, but they pretty much have one under uh, one upperclassman in the rotation when Ryan Young is out, like he was, uh, is Jeremy Roach, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's hilarious how the transition has happened over the last like ten or fifteen years. Sophomores used to be what we called underclassmen, right? Sophomores used to be liabilities with the ball in their hand at the end of games. You wanted it in the hand of like a grizzled junior or or a, a tried and true experienced senior pretty, with the yeah, game on the line. Seniors. Yeah. It, it, now, if you if you're a blue blood program and you have a bunch of sophomores, it's like, wow, look how old you are. You have all these veterans. They've been around a time or two. Tyrese Proctor, like age wise, grade wise, should be a freshman. Correct. He uh, uh, reclassified up a class last year to be on uh, on Duke a season ago. So that means McCain, freshman aged, Foster, freshman aged, Stewart, if he gets in the game, freshman aged, Power, freshman aged, Proctor, freshman aged, Filipowski, sophomore, although he feels like he's been around a bunch, Mitchell, sophomore. This team is not old. They're not. They're older than some of the recent Duke teams that were so dependent on freshmen. But this team is not old, and I think I, again, looking inwards, right, I was going, they're returning four or five starters. 
They're returning 80% of their scoring. This is the most veteran team in the ACC, when in actuality, they were, they're were just they're a bit prodigious last season in their production as freshmen. So now that they're back, it, it's I, I put too much stock in them being quote-unquote old, when they're, they're really not. They're too old to make mistakes like this. They're still underclassmen. They're still meshing. I saw somebody say, outside of Jeremy Roach, none of them are knocking down shots. I'm going, well, that's surprising because Jeremy Roach is the only veteran on the team that is is not playing like a chicken with its head cut off at times this year. That's not going ISO and pressing and trying to do too much. It's maybe they deserve a bit more leeway. Like I, I've been giving to a team like NC State, who ironically, NC State is much older but they're all new together. Not all, but they're bringing in seven new faces. They're still waiting on MJ Rice to get healthy. Even guys, uh, a few of the others from from recent transfer classes, you know, are, are still kind of new-ish. So it's it's maybe we we expected too much of Duke too too soon because their last two games looked like a bunch of young guys trying to figure it out. And after what they accomplished last year, ACC championship. Tournament championship. Tournament. AC, they were fourth or fifth seed during the regular ACC season. ACC tournament championship. Second round of the NCAA tournament. Second round until they got bullied by, I believe, I think it was Tennessee. Just got, hey, you're, you're young and weak. We've been in the weight room. And they just got run. They played football for a half. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 